Welcome back to the Fantasy Formula. As always, I'm Adam from F1 Fantasy HQ, and I'm here with Rob from F1 Fantasy Hub. Rob, how are you enjoying your summer break so far? Hi, Adam. Thanks. Uh, it's going really well. I'm actually really enjoying disconnecting from Twitter and YouTube. I've, my screen time has gone down exponentially, and um, I think it's really important uh, in I mean, in the fantasy sports I've played in the past, when you have these you know, two to four week breaks in between, it just gives you an opportunity to not even think about your teams for a hot second. And I'm slowly easing back into the content game as we approach Sandport and feeling like that, that break has really reinvigorated my, uh, my interest in F1 fantasy after, after a couple of weeks away. For sure. Me too. It was definitely good to take a few weeks away. And it's been a really quiet, silly season so far. I mean, there really hasn't been much Formula One news to hear about at all, even on this break. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, this time last year, we had the Alonso Piastri drama, and it just feels like a cemetery right now. There's like dead quiet in terms of driving movements. I know there's obviously a few seats that need to be filled, but to be honest, I would have thought we might have heard at least something by now, right? Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. Surely one of these seats are going to be filled before we get back to racing, but just a matter of which shoe will drop first. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I still couldn't tell you who or what seat um, is likely to, to change up, but there's a lot of speculation that, you know, it could be a Haas, it could be an Alfa Romeo, it could be an Alfa Tauri. We just have to, to wait and see. I'll be looking forward to it. So tonight, we're going to go over our tiers for the first half. Rob and I are going to break down every single driver on the grid, including Nick DeVries, and say where we think they stand as a fantasy asset right now. And so we'll talk a little bit about how each driver fared in the first half and where Rob and I agree and where we disagree looking forward. Yep, so this is obviously the tier list. I haven't actually done one of these before, Adam, so first time, good to, to break it in. Um, as you mentioned, we'll be between the two of us debating and rating where we think all these drivers should sit based on their fantasy performances today and where we expect them to be moving into the next kind of four to six weeks as a fantasy asset too. I think we've seen a lot in the last kind of 10, 12, 13 races, however many it's been so far. Um, but I think the last few weeks have certainly kind of made us change our thinking a little bit on which drivers belong in our teams. And I'm really looking forward to debating this uh, with you. All right. Let's get started with our first driver. And that looks like Sir Lewis. Yeah, it does. I, again, I think we may agree on some, we may disagree on others. I, from the first, you know, the first 13 races or so I've been, quite impressed with Lewis as a fantasy asset. I think the the obvious or, or glaring thing to me for Lewis is that he's just too expensive. And with how well Max and Checo have driven uh, as fantasy drivers anyway, and the, the points they've contributed on the board, it's been hard for us to really fit Lewis into our teams um, just because of his high price. I totally agree. And you can see just in the ownership rates, Lewis is owned in fewer than 20% of teams, which is less than Hulkenberg and Lance Stroll. So it goes to show you that when fantasy players are up against Hamilton versus similarly priced drivers like Verstappen, you just have to roll with the points. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. I am of the view that as a fantasy asset now and into the future, he's probably a B on 
on my tier list only because of the the reasons you've mentioned around low ownership and the the Red Bull dominance. I think it's obviously naive to disregard, you know, his actual output. He's only had three races this season below 20 points. So I don't think he's by any means a blowover. But to be honest, for me, because of the options we have, you know, in someone like Perez, who's much cheaper, and Max, who's, you know, winning just about every race, it's hard for me to grade him higher than a B. What are, you, what are your thoughts? It hurts my heart as a Mercedes fan to say it, but I went with a B as well. He's third in fantasy points, but the PPM, it just can't quite justify anything higher than a B for me moving forward. All right. Well, good good start. <laughs> We're aligned on the first one. We agree. One. Yeah. The next is Valtteri Bottas, uh, obviously Lewis's ex-teammate. I was really impressed with Bottas through the first few races or so of the season. I thought he looked really comfortable in that Alfa Romeo, but he's just fallen off a cliff. So, uh, and like the well, pretty much since race four or five. And um, to be honest, you know, with with Lance Stroll initially, Oscar Piastri's emergence with the McLaren upgrades at the moment, there just doesn't seem to be much room in our team to him at the moment. And the Alfa Romeo just doesn't seem to have the pace that we'd expect. No, it really doesn't. And with Botas, he really peaked in Bahrain. He had 13 points and a P8 finish, and it's been downhill ever since. He's had six races in a row, fewer than 10 points, and he's 17th overall in both points in PPM. He's just not startable for me week in and week out anymore. And so for that, I gave him a D. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, in the same camp there. I definitely think Botas was going to be featuring in the the template the meta for fantasy after what we saw in bahrain he was actually meant to be in my team had i not gone with Lance Stroll at the last minute and i had high hopes from this season but um not to be and again probably one of the worst fantasy assets you can roll with at the moment um and heading into the into the future so i think for me bottas is also a d there that's fair and this is the next driver is an interesting case with Zhou Guan Yu. It's a tale of why a driver might be a great fantasy asset, even though they're not showing some of that same pace out on track. Zhou, for me, is having a fantastic year. He's the top budget driver by a long shot. He has six 10-plus uh, point performances in fantasy, where no other budget driver has more than two. And he had a season high of 18 points last race, I love Joe this year. Yeah, I think he's really outperformed the Alfa Romeo. He's really driven well. Uh, and I think what has become synonymous with Joe this season has been his overtake potential. He's He averages 5.1 overtakes per race, the second amongst all drivers, only beaten by Perez. And that's obviously because Perez seems to have had so many bad qualifying sessions that he's in the box seat for all of those extra overtake points in that Red Bull rocket ship. So, you know, you, you know what you're getting from Joe. You're getting those overtakes and you're getting, I guess, a driver that not just maximizes um, that opportunity, but he's also finishing the race just about every single time. I think he's only had one DNF this season. So, um, you know, you're getting a reliable performer at that price point. He's been the standout budget driver, um, I think, from the get-go. And I, looking forward, I don't expect him to be able to probably replicate the same performance he might have put through the first 13 races, but I still think he deserves a lot of, I guess, um, acknowledgement for the kind of effort he's put in. For me, he's an A, but... I could see. I could certainly make a case of being S if we're just looking at his performances retrospectively. We're three for three, Rob. I also went for an A for Joe. 
easily the best budget driver on the grid. Let's put him on the top spot for now. Cool. Awesome. I, um, I'm really interested to see what your thoughts are on Danny Rick. I obviously, as an Australian, have an extremely soft spot, as I think most people do for him. And with uh, his return two races ago, I think a lot of people were hoping for a ready-made replacement at $4.5 million for DeVries. Uh, I was very bullish on him heading into Budapest, not to be with that driver of the day that we definitely hyped up a little bit. But notwithstanding that, um, he is in a car that, just hasn't seemed to really put itself in and around the points um, like you'd hope. I do have some hope that Danny Rick will hopefully get as much out of the car as we hope. Uh, and it seems like he's put a lot of those bad habits that Christian Horn has alluded to behind him being in the Red Bull camp. Uh, but we just haven't seen enough from him so far through two races. I'm not Overly convinced he's the best budget driver going around, but I think if he does string together a couple of decent performances, we will see people pile back in on him. And um, yeah, it's it's a tough one for me. I I am as of right now probably in the B, maybe the C camp, but I just don't think we've seen enough yet from him to to warrant you know, serious team consideration. I agree. Uh, so right now I have Ricardo as a C, and. After an initial burst in his first race, Ricardo's really slowed down in his last two outings. I think he's just one good performance away from a lot of momentum toward a driver of the day award and a really, really solid outing. Maybe even some budget gain if he has a driver of the day win. But in such a slow Alpha Tauri, I'm not sure I can confidently move ahead with Danny Rick at this point. So for me, he's a C. Okay, I would probably put him at the bottom of the B list, but we can, we'll put him at the top of the C's, and if we have other drivers that think should be ahead of him in the C category, we can reassess at that point in time. I think I'm just trying to, trying to remain a little optimistic for my uh, countryman, but again, you know, nine points in two races isn't exactly anything to write home about, is it? I believe you said, Rob, that if Danny Rick lands on the podium, you'll do a shoey on this show. So I am hoping for Danny Rick's continued success in the second half. Look, I think most people would love to see me do that on stream. So let's cross our fingers. That turns out to be the case. Good. Looking at his teammate, Yuki Sonoda, I've been really impressed with Yuki this year. He's cut down on his mistakes from prior years. He had six DNFs in 2022. And he's only failed to classify this year in the Baku sprint. He stayed on track for most races. He's cutting down on the mistakes. He's dealing with all the news around Ricardo coming back to the grid. He's just kept the level head about him and raced a fairly slow car with some success. And as much as we've said about Joe as the number two, uh, number one budget driver, Yuki's been consistently number two. So I, I've been very impressed with Yuki so far this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much in a similar camp there. Yuki seems to have managed to erase a lot of the, the errors, the mistakes that seem to have crept into his drive in the last couple of seasons. His hot-headedness isn't probably quite as bad as it used to be. I think there's still an, el an element of uh, uh, hot-headedness, as I said, that can sometimes get the better of him, as we've heard on the radio and such. Uh, but again, to your point, he's really matured this season, I think, being the leader up until DeVries' departure, Yuki's tried to take that um, shoulder the burden of, of being the, the number one driver at AlphaTauri. I think with Ricardo, um, 
he'll certainly feel a little bit more pressure. Uh, but as far as his fantasy production has been concerned, I've been very impressed by him. You know, he's he's only had, as you mentioned, that one non-classified, um, only two scores less than zero this season, and is tied third for the most overtakes at 4.8 per race. So I think, you know, really rivaling Joe in the overtakes department, it's just the shame that the AlphaTauri is so poor that you just can't really seem to to get more out of it um, than what we've seen so far. For me, I still think he is a very viable budget driver. I think he's 5.1. So I'd put him above Ricardo, probably in the B tier. I agree. I think Yuki is firmly a B. Um, having Joe as the number one and Yuki as the number two, but on any given weekend, Yuki could be the number one budget driver on the grid. We go next to his old teammate, Pierre Gasly, now Alpine. I I've had I feel like a bit of a mixed opinion on Pierre throughout the season. He's had his moments for sure, and then he's also just been a non-factor through some races too. It's I even had him in my team uh, at Miami uh, to replace Stroll after Lance had a, a couple of disappointing races. So you know he's certainly been on the radar at various points in the season, but just hasn't seemed to have delivered at least lately that kind of consistency we got between races four and eight. He had. Points of 17, 10, 10, and 14 between Azerbaijan and Spain. So, you know, if you want that kind of consistency or when you're getting that kind of consistency from that mid-price driver, I think that's excellent output. Just hasn't quite replicated that in the last three or four races or so. Um, so I'm not really sure. Looking forward, the Alpine now seems like the sixth fastest car on the grid. So I'm not super high on Pierre, to be honest. And I think for me, we'll get to Ocon in a second. I think that's likely to affect my perception of Alpine uh, as a fantasy asset to own into the back half of the year. I'm struggling too with what to think about both of them. Certainly the DNFs in the second half of, of these last few races have been mostly accidental or something wrong with the car. So I'm trying not to hold them against Pierre too much, but he had five top 10 finishes in his first seven races. And he's really struggled to get a groove going in the last few. And there's so much disruption going on with the senior brass at Alpine. I'm just wondering if they're struggling to figure out who they are as a team, who's running the ship, and will they have everything in place just for the basics, proper race strategy, making sure execution of pit stops are, are flawless. I'm not quite sure what to make of Gasly for the second half. And... What's interesting is that he's still the fifth most owned asset in the game at 28%, but I don't think he's quite driven consistently enough to deserve that. No, no, I, I, I kind of agree there too. I think, you know, when he's putting it together, for me, he's a standout B option, but, you know, you also look at the inconsistencies as well and, you know, he's teetering on C, even D territory for me. So for me, I'd probably group him below Ricardo um, in, in the C tier. Same. I would put him firmly as a C, a driver that if he strings together a few strong races, he could be right in that B category, but he's so inconsistent that one or two races the wrong way, he could find himself in the D category. Yeah. Yeah. Next, and, I think, say again. I was just going to to move on to Esteban Ocon because I think he's in a very similar position. He had an electric race in Monaco, finished P3, one driver of the day, and his season high was 32 points in that race. But he also is the only driver with three DNFs, and he is 19th in PPM. 
and he's also 18th in ownership. So he's not very well liked, and he's not a really good value for the price that he's at. No, it's it's a hard one for Ocon. I think Gasly has a little bit more appeal to him, um, obviously, because he's, he's highly owned for part of that reason. He, he is essentially an easier swap to someone like a Piastri or a Stroll or even a Bottas. Um, because he's more affordable than Ocon at Ocon, I think he's 10.9 if I'm if I'm not mistaken, 10.7. Um, and it's just an awkward price point when you've got someone like Alonso who's only 1.2 million more, uh, and then you've got Gasly or, as I said before, Piastri who are cheaper in better cars seem to just get a little bit more out of it fantasy wise. So for me, with those DNFs, I've definitely got him below Gasly. I'd, I'd potentially put him in the D to be honest um not because he's a bad driver we know what he's capable of and we just saw recently in belgium another great performance probably his second best driver of the year after monaco so for me he's probably d category maybe c on his on his day i could be swayed either way to be honest allow me to persuade persuade you to put him in the d category completely unrunnable for me right now for the price Probability of DNFs, lack of identity and leadership at Alpine. Count me out. I will put him ahead of Bottas just because of the highlights or the highs we've seen from him outweighed to me the lows, even though the lows have been more than we'd probably like. But notwithstanding that, I think he's a he's a D for me. Um, and we segue into another teammate, ex-teammate of, of Ocon's in Fernando Alonso. Um, I'll get right off the bat and say it. He has been by far the best fantasy asset in my opinion um this season uh you, you max aside obviously because he's a he's a man on uh, out on his own doing his own thing but alonso from the outset looked like the real deal best value for money pick back-to-back podiums or multiple podiums for that matter throughout the season only the last few races he's obviously gone backwards a little bit and i think that's just because the other teams around them have caught up but you know he is bang for your buck the best value for money asset to own in the game, I think. And he's still owned by 77% of players, which is absurd in a fantasy game. So I think, you know, for me, he is everything and more you want from an asset. I just hope that Aston Martin are able to stay with the chasing pack because we've seen, obviously, the recent emergence of McLaren, Red Bull are, you know, in their own class right now. And then Mercedes and Ferrari, no doubt, trying to narrow that gap to Red Bull in the second half of the year. Um, so I am concerned for Alonso heading into the back half of the year because of what we've seen the last few races. But, you know, in a vacuum, you know, from what we've seen from him so far through the season, it's hard for me to not put him as an S-tier asset, um, even if we are trying to look forward to what we expect from him. For me, Alonso is a clear s having a fantastic season really we knew in bahrain that he was priced a bit too low for the way the amr 23 is looking this year i think alonzo was initially priced somewhere between alonzo and an alpine and vettel in the aston martin last year which was a bit lower than really the performance we've been seeing so far so He's clearly been the runaway PPM driver this year, the best value that most teams are taking advantage of. I'd emphasize that point you made earlier, Rob, about being careful in the second half. He scored 21 plus points in eight of his first nine races. 
but he scored 21 points combined in the last three races. So we need to make sure Aston Martin hasn't tailed off, especially with the Spurge McLaren. Moving on to his teammate, Lance Stroll. Lance is loving the AMR 23. He's ninth in fantasy points, seven in points per million. Pretty good value in that driver number four tier and having himself a decent season. But he has had three straight stinkers and has two DNFs, so he's not a clear-cut must-start every week. And to me, Aston Martin is just one good upgrade away from Stroll being back in that number four driver discussion, but he's not quite good enough to be an A for me. So I have Stroll as a B. What about you? Yeah, I, I'm I'm similar for sure. I think through the first you know, five, six races or so, Stroll for me would have been in an A category. As as the case with Alonso, there's a lot of concern around Aston Martin's you know performance compared to their peers in the last three races. I think those those scores you reeled off, 21 points in his last three, and Alonso's um, similar as well, 21 points in his last three, just not a great sign for that Aston Martin. I just think. The lack of upgrades have meant they've regressed. They're now looking probably third or fourth fastest car, if not even lower than that. So I do have some concerns for Stroll as an asset. I think he, for me, also firmly fits in the B category. I'd put him ahead of Lewis Hamilton and Yuki Tsunoda only because of the fact that he is at that price point, as I've touched on before, that makes him an easy swap to drivers like Oscar Piastri, Alex Albon, Pierre Gasly. So I think that versatility in your team makes him a more valuable fantasy asset than someone like Lewis, who is just difficult to get to because more often than not, you're having to either compromise on Max or compromise on other drivers in your team, which means you need to go down to budget drivers. So I think for me, I'd put him ahead of Lewis here. But if you have another opinion on where he sits on the B list, then feel free to convince me. No, you make a very good point. I, I like the versatility of Stroll because he fits in a traditional meta lineup with the three Red Bulls and the three Aston Martins. But also, if you want to start squeezing in the McLarens, you could do Max, the two Aston Martin drivers, and the three McLaren assets. And Stroll allows you to afford that. And you can squeeze Stroll and Piastri in the same lineup. Lewis is just an albatross. You can't really have Lewis and Max on the same team without mega sacrifices everywhere else yeah yeah completely agree before you get into Charles Leclerc another thing on Lewis I know we're probably going back a little bit that puts me off and I think a lot of other people off from owning him is that you pay for that kind of premium asset but you're gonna DRS boost max every weekend anyway so the value of owning Lewis isn't really there compared to having max in your team the only reason I could see having Lewis is if I was either going to use the extra DRS boost where the DRS, the extra DRS would be on Max and the DRS would be on Lewis, or if he's in my limitless team because of not only the fact that the Mercedes assets are really low owned, but just because it means you can accommodate all of those premium assets for one week in that team. Agreed. All right, let's slide over to the Ferraris and start with Charles Leclerc. I really like Charles on track. Off track, he's put out his third song. He's having himself a heck of a year on track and off track. He's a talented guy. But for me, I'm struggling to like him in a fantasy context. He sits in price between Hamilton and Perez. But Perez has 222 more points. Hamilton has 134 more points. Russell, 
two ticks below him and price is up 51. So there's just no way for me to prioritize Charles this year. And another fun fact about Leclerc is he's 19th in overtakes. He's ahead of only the two guys that haven't raced a full season in Ricardo and DeVries. Yeah, not, not encouraging signs for a driver that we thought was going to challenge Max for the drivers last year. Uh, definitely, I think a part of that has to do with the Ferrari. It just doesn't seem to be at the level it was at uh, 12 months ago. Um, and to your point, you know, he is at just a very awkward price point like Hamilton. It makes it very difficult to afford him. Just haven't seen that consistency, that output that we saw from him a year ago. Uh, and there's been nothing really that's, you know, he's had, you know, podium here and there type thing this year but you know outside of his 131 point performance in Austria there hasn't really been anything above you know well he had sorry 29 points in Azerbaijan but that was a sprint race I think you know the only two weekends he's had decent scores have been on sprint race weekends and two DNS as well just not really doing it for me to warrant consideration in my team given you know when we've got drivers like Perez as you say that's just churning out plenty more points in a car that's much more competitive. So for me, he's firmly in the C category. I think value for money-wise, I'd put him above Gasly, but below Ricardo. C for me as well. Definitely he's had more more high points this year than, than Gasly, but also some very low lows. The, the Ferrari team has so much talent, it's really discouraging to see how little they've made of it so far this year. Yeah, yeah, I think that's um, very much the case with Signs too. Like another driver 12 months ago that was firmly in our fantasy teams, uh, partly because of the car and the consistency, um, at least from a fantasy perspective, that we were accustomed to with both of those guys. Just hasn't done it for me this year. I haven't come close to owning him in my team. Again, much like Ocon at a very awkward price point, 17 million odd is just not really practical when you've got someone three million more in Perez that's as you said just dominating the fantasy production landscape Max Verstappen aside um, and then much like his teammate just riddled with inconsistencies that DNF inspire a, a handful of single digit output weekends so for me I don't really have much more to say on Carlos he's in the seas for me too a quick stat on signs is he had eight podiums in 2022 and he has zero this year. A lot of fourth place finishes. He's consistently putting up fantasy points, but again, at that price, he's just not runnable. I'd put him right on the side of Leclerc in the seas. I think we've been pretty well aligned so far for the most part. We didn't even talk about this. I'm glad. I'm glad we're of the same mind. This We, we might start drifting a bit when we get to the second half of our grid here let's start with nico hulkenberg i know you started him last time out at spa hulkenberg we want to like him he's had six appearances in q3 this year qualified p2 in canada he's driving the heck out of that haas but once the race comes really it all goes downhill from there the haas is known to eat up tires you lose that race pace and when you look at all the positions gained and lost this year, Hulkenberg is dead last with a net of minus 25, which puts him 18th in points. Do you like yeah. him any more than, than you did heading into this year? No, look, I think you um, hit the nail on the head there. The tail of the tape for him has been his positions lost. 
negative uh, 2.1 per race. You just can't really afford to have a driver who's losing points and positions in your team. I obviously got very lucky. I got burned with him earlier in the season, I think at Monaco when I had him then. I was very, very reluctant to have him in my team, but I wanted Albon um, and he was the only budget driver I could afford to make that Albon move um, with Lando and the McLaren constructor. So look, I, I got very lucky. I don't think I want him in my team beyond um, Spa again. And the the qualifying, he looks great in qualifying. Everyone knows that. That single lap pace is sensational. He's just outside the top 10 for qualifying points uh, for all fantasy drivers. But as soon as you get to the race and the aggregate score across the weekend, he pretty much falls off a cliff. So for me, uh, fantasy-wise, I don't think that's going to really change too much in the second half of the year. And he's firmly in the C category. I only put him above the Ds because of the fact that um, he's just so cheap to own. That's fine. I'm good putting him in the Cs as well. I think his output in Spa almost single-handedly kept him out of the D range, plus the really great qualifying results as well. Hopefully he turns it around soon. Where would you like to put him in the Cs? Ahead of the Ferraris? I'd put him be- I'd put him behind Ricardo personally, but I'd you could really drop him anywhere. I think if you put him, yeah, any somewhere after Ricardo and before signs, anywhere in there is is fine. All right, moving on now to Kevin Magnuson, who's been probably the most anonymous driver in fantasy and on the grid. I almost never see him unless he's in a tangle with Nick DeVries. He has two P10 finishes on the year, so he's got a few points, but he just hasn't been reliable. He's in that price point where he should be a driver number four in the mix with Piastri and Stroll, but he just isn't putting up the same points. No, it's, it's been a pretty, pretty quiet season on all accounts for K-Mag. Um, looked solid out of the gates, 8, 9, and 16 in three of his first four races. But just then, oh, since then, sorry, it hasn't really strung together any performances fantasy-wise that have made it worthwhile uh, having him in our teams. Hulkenberg, I know, you know, a few million less, even though he's, you know, been putting in performances that are pretty much close to zero uh, I'd still prefer to own him over K-Mag. Uh, it's just not a pretty sight for, for the, the house driver at the moment. Uh, and even though he did see a price rise uh, most recently in Spa, it's just, as you say, at that price point at 7.3, you're better off going with someone like Albon, who's 0.6 more, or going for Joe or Sonoda with those overtakes who are 2 million less. So at 11% owned, I can see why not many people have him in their teams. And for that reason, he's a D for me. A D for me too. Not even a consideration week to week. I'd argue putting him below Bottas, uh, just for for the reasons we've mentioned. I think Bottas slightly edges it for me. We've seen a few more consistent performances from him. But again, if you feel strongly putting him further up, feel free to convince me. No, that's fine. Bottas has more points too. We've got Lando Norris next, and I know we've uh, we've debated this one a little bit. Uh, both of the McLaren drivers for that matter recently. I think the last few races, um, as we've harped on about for quite some time, the emergence of them with their upgrades has firmly put them out of my radar in many people's teams. I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. 
I think the first few races of the season, there was some skepticism around the McLarens. They weren't really at those prices, drivers that we wanted in our teams. I just didn't think there was anything to suggest they were going to feature in our teams throughout the season. Norris had minus one, seven, 19, zero, one, six through his first six races. Like that kind of inconsistency for that one race aside in Australia where he put in 19, I was not going near him with a 10 foot pole. But, you know, we've seen the last four races since those Silverstone upgrades. He's had two podiums. He's had four double-digit scores. And even though he only came away with 15 in Spa, I still think he's firmly deserving to be a top-tier driver in our fantasy teams throughout the rest of the season. The only reason why I could make a case for not putting him in the S tier is because of the fact that, much like last season with Max Verstappen, we used the Red Bull constructor to cover Max's output. I think a lot of people could potentially use that same approach this season and get in the McLaren constructor, not get in Norris and potentially go with Piastri. I'm not suggesting that's the only approach to getting in McLaren assets, but it's certainly one way of negating that premium, not premium, but slightly dearer price tag that Norris has attributed to him as opposed to Oscar. I love Lando right now, and I was a late adopter on the McLaren hype train, but I'm all aboard now. He has 111 points since Austria, which is the third most after Max and Checo. He's gained 3.2 million in value this season, which is the second most only to Fernando Alonso, who we said earlier was grossly undervalued to start the year. And I really think that McLaren can keep this up looking ahead to the second half. And in next week's fantasy preview, I'm going to show some data that shows why I think McLaren overinvested in a high downforce rain specific setup that set Lando up for a tough day and they should be an easy bounce back target in Sandboard. And what's interesting is he's only on a quarter of the teams right now. So if Lando is the real deal and folks start adopting him now, you'll still get a pretty decent value the rest of the season. I'm good to give him an A as well. I would agree. I would personally have him towards the bottom of the A tier only because of the... ...other means for your team. But I think... Oh boy. As a standalone asset, I still think he is exceptional value. As you said, 25% owned, so a sizable differential there. You know what you're getting from him. And as you mentioned, those upgrades or those modifications inspired didn't work quite as well. I definitely think McLaren should be still around uh, and in the mix for the remainder of the season. So I'll put him on the A tier too, but I'm leaning towards having him probably towards the back a little bit. So we'll stick him next to... I think he belongs next to Joe, but are you of the view that he should go... I believe in Lando so much. I think he's starting to just nudge ahead of Joe, but I do have a, a pretty, pretty strong love for, for my number one right. budget driver too. So it, it both, both okay. places are we'll leaving that for now. Let's go over to your countryman, Oscar Piastri. He is in this price tier with Stroll, Gasly, Ocon, Albon, and he's looking really good these last few races as well. I think right now he and Stroll are the top assets in this class, and I think Piastri is right up there with Lando as an asset that I think could flourish in the second half. What about you? 
Yeah, 100% agree. I am very, very bullish on Oscar Piastri. We've seen a number of qualifying performances from him in the last four races since those upgrades came through where he's gone, you know, lap for lap with Lando. He's, you know, if not been on par with him in qualifying, outperformed him in some cases. Had it not been for that DNF most recently in Spa, I was very confident he'd come away with a top five finish. We saw he's been challenging four podiums um, the last four races and obviously led for a period of time before Max nabbed him um, as well. So I definitely think Oscar um, is not essential, but very, very good value for money. And I'm confident he's due a podium or two in the second half of the year if these upgrades continue to work as they have been so far. So for me, I I personally, and this is bias creeping into me, I would put him above Lando, but I think you would maybe put Lando above Oscar because of the fact that um, you feel very strongly about Lando. But I'm happy, I'm happy to put him in here only because we know that Lando is going to more often than not outperform Oscar as a fantasy asset. That's fine by me. Piast you know, Piastri had the P2 in the sprint last time out. He was looking really good. I just have so much faith in McLaren looking ahead. So I like that spot. Cool. Well, I um, next get on to George Russell. And this is one that, you know, we've, discussed a little bit already so far and we'll probably touch on towards the end for those of you who are hanging around then but I um, I know George hasn't put together any performances that have really set the world on fire through the first 13 or so races you know the last four races fantasy wise he's had some solid results 34 18 27 28 like I think that's really good value for money certainly more than one dollar per million uh, one point per million spent on George the thing is though um, Perez at that same price just about, uh, or albeit maybe a million more now, has been the more dominant asset through the first 13 races. So I'm very reluctant right now to say he's a better asset than Perez, but I will, uh, for those of you watching and subscribe to me on YouTube, I have him on my watch list for the, the upcoming kind of four to six races because of the fact that not only is an alternative to Perez, if you do want to go a little bit differential, but also because Red Bull have stopped their upgrades to um, their car, any major upgrades to their car for the rest of the season. I fully expect Mercedes will be the first team to close that gap to Red Bull. We've seen George's performance in Interlagos last year. Mercedes made a habit of really coming home strong in the last half dozen or so races in 2022. I very much expect that to be the case again this year. So George is firmly on my radar as a driver that should very much be in our team or not be in our teams but could be in your team um, and as a differential if he podiums i think that's gonna you owners are gonna reap the benefits so for me looking forward he's a top b asset to own and i think you hit the nail on the head with how much george heats up in the second half of the season last year he had his maiden win in brazil that was 60 fantasy points for him in that one race I think if you save your limitless chip for Brazil, loading up on Red Bull and Mercedes will yield a ton of points for people that held on to the chip that long. I'm good putting Russell in the B category. How high up do we put him? I think value for money-wise, I'd put him ahead of Lewis. Um, I, I mean, you could make a case of putting him higher or lower. I think he fits nicely here only because... Stroll, we've seen so far for the price you pay to get him, the returns you've 
we've got on you know many instances so far yeah it's been great but we've also seen that um he has been a little inconsistent too i think mercedes the reliability of that car you know they they have made a name for themselves so they don't have a lot of mechanical dnf so that's why i'm very kind of optimistic about george for the remainder of the year but it just depends on how far you expect the Mercedes to progress and how much you expect the Aston Martin to regress for me to really deliberate as to where he belongs here. I think he belongs here, but do you have another point of view? I think he's fine right there. I can see myself rostering Stroll as early as Zanbort, depending on what combination I go on. Russell, I don't have any short-term plans to put him on my team. I don't see a configuration that quite works for me. So I'm fine putting him just after that, even for no other reason, because I don't have any short-term vision for him. I hope I haven't uh, hurt your soul by putting him ahead of Lewis. <laughs> no, no. As long as as long as long those Mercedes assets do well, and, and I'm always a firm believer, regardless of sport, of team over fantasy. So if I don't play any Mercedes on my team and they finish 1-2, I am over the moon. So that that's fine by me. Let's move on to the Red Bulls easily the best assets in the game and we'll start with Sergio Perez so even though his race seat is in question he's still having an elite season for fantasy players he's number two overall in points number three in PPM he has three driver of the day wins which is tied with Verstappen for the most and even though his qualifying form hasn't been great especially by Red Bull standards He's number one in both positions gained and overtakes, like Rob mentioned earlier. His season high was 61 points in Azerbaijan, which was interestingly also his last race win. So for me, Perez, I still have faith in him. I'm putting him in the S tier. Yeah, I can't disagree with any of those points you've made. Uh, qualifying performances uh, recently have obviously meant he's in the box seat for overtakes and uh, yeah, as as you touched on, you know, had it not has it not had it not been for those poorer qualifying performances, probably wouldn't have the same number of overtakes and um, positioned himself for some driver of the day awards. But to be honest, I can't see either, sorry, all three of the Red Bull assets leaving my team anytime soon, uh, just because of you know how strong the car is uh, and fantasy wise. Yeah, you know, I. Probably, I probably sound like a broken record saying this now, but if he qualifies well, he gets those points for podiums. If he qualifies poorly, he gets the points for overtakes and positions gained and potentially driver of the day too. So you can't really fault someone like Checo. I think he's probably turned a corner with um, those poorer qualifying performances. Even though he did have that seven-pointer in Belgium, I think that's very much like a one-off. Uh, and I think he'll be you know, bouncing back. Uh, as we close out the year. So S for me, probably below Alonso just because of um, some of the recent form fluctuations we've seen from him. But I think you could certainly make the case to put him over Alonso just because of the Aston Martin regression recently. No, I'm fine with leaving him there. And it's also a testament to just how far both the Aston Martin and Fernando Alonso have come this season. Let's keep him at the top. If not for at least until the next driver comes up. Well, the other Rebel driver, Max Verstappen, I think it goes without saying he doesn't belong in the D category. But, um, you know, Max has had what wins in all bar two of the races this season, comes off a 68-point performance in Belgium, the highest score of any driver this season. Uh, for those of you who were um, extra DRS boosting, they, 
they obviously um, scored handsomely there. And, you know, he's had, you know, as dominant a season uh, as anyone in recent memory, not just fantasy-wise, but as an F1 driver. So, you know, I can't really, I don't think I need to say anything more really to, to put him at the top of the S pile. Verstappen has a chance to break Schumacher's record for the most races left on the calendar at the time that you've locked up the world championship, and he just might do it. He has the most driver of the day wins tied with Checo for three. He has six fastest lap wins, three 60-point performances. He's 172 points clear of Checo in fantasy for P2, which is bigger than his lead over Checo in the driver's championship, too. He is the number one S driver for me. Unanimous verdict, no matter which way we try and string it for Max Verstappen. All right. Let's slide over to Williams and start with Alex Albon. He's definitely coming a form lately. He had the driver of the day win in Canada and a miraculous 16 overtakes at Spa. Definitely some high scoring weeks for Alex, but he also has some issues with consistency. He's also currently 16th in PPM because his value really suffered in the first half of the year. He strung together a couple of DNFs, a lot of lost positions. And so even though his price has bumped up 2.5 million since Canada, his value is pretty depressed compared to some of the other drivers in his tier. Yeah, I certainly agree uh, to those points. Uh, he's probably his value in my opinion, is a little overinflated. I know he's seen a number of rises recently because of his good form, 19, 8, 8, 11, and 22 in his last five races. Certainly nothing to, to uh, ignore, but I think um, the Williams, as we know, has exceptional straight line speed. I was very lucky to own him in Belgium. Uh, had it not been for the wet weather, it could have been an even better outing. And I think a lot of that was on the back of those 16 overtakes. Uh, an exceptional performance, no matter which way you try to spin it. So um, Albon's obviously got the kind of car now that's probably around seventh on the grid uh, in terms of performance. I think heading into Zandvoort and Monza, both circuits that have you know extensive straight line sections, I think the Williams will do quite well. Uh, he is in my team and I expect he may well stay for the next couple for the reasons I've just mentioned. Uh, but I do think someone like Oscar Piastri, a million more, Lance Stroll, a tad more, I think are also good options. And I think in slightly better cars makes them long-term better holds for me. I would still put him probably towards the bottom of the Bs only because of that kind of lack of reliability we saw in the first part of the season. Uh, but if he's able to string together a bit more consistency that we've started to see recently, I think he's he could certainly challenge for it further probably higher end of the B scale for me. Ooh, this is our first disagree in a while. I I think it's him driving in the Williams that makes me nervous because they're usually due for a streak of car failures around this time of the year. And I believe he is close to the limit on a few engine parts. So we might have some engine penalties. So for me, I put Alex at the top of the C's. Since you gave me you gave me the last disagree, so we can put him right after Joe at the bottom of the B's if you want. Uh, Yuki, you mean? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would say 
I think he's, yeah, he is in terms of value for money. I think he's not quite there with Yuki, but I think the guys we're seeing below in the seas are all, you know, drivers that we just don't seem to see the same kind of consistent output at those respective price points. So B, bottom of the B, top of the C works for me. Uh, that segues nicely into the last Williams driver and last remaining driver on the grid. No disrespect, the one at the very end. But uh, Logan Sargent was uh, starting out the season as the lowest priced driver. Uh, hasn't really done much so far. He's had his moments throughout the season, but no points. Uh, and I only owned him for one race earlier in the season. Didn't really. I think I came away with five points in Australia but a couple of DNFs and only two double-digit performances. So for me, a real non-factor fantasy-wise and just hasn't, I haven't seen enough, uh, particularly when you've got more competitive options at the same price point uh, to deserve any serious place in my fantasy team. The only statistic you need to know is a sergeant averages less than one point per race and is dead last in PPM despite being the cheapest driver. So for me, he is the very bottom of the Ds. Okay. He was D for me. I didn't think I was going to be. I would fi I'd be fine to put him last. I definitely would have put him ahead of maybe Magnuson. But again, it's it's really a non-fact at this point. There's just nothing really there uh, from Logie Bear to suggest that um, he's he's deserving a spot in my team. And, you know, up until last week, it, he wasn't the, the, uh, the cheapest driver. It was Hulkenberg because of all of those positions lost that probably put him so far down at 3.8 but 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 logan Sargent now um now the bottom of the barrel unfortunately and last but not least this wouldn't be a complete first half update without nick devries former alpha tauri driver current harvard business school student he had a really tough first half I don't think any of us really found him rosterable in, in any given week. He was getting outperformed by Yuki pretty handedly week in and week out. I think maybe we have a competitor for the very last D position. What do you think? Yeah, I'd, I'd give Nick a, a D. Um, unfortunately, not a real, not really a lot to write home about much like like Logan Sargent, unfortunately, it's just been a, a pretty disappointing, you know, F1 debut for him. You know, 11, uh, sorry, not 11 points. Um, look, just not not a great eight points, seven points to start off the season, but he had, you know, minus 15 zeros, just a lot of single digit scores. And when people like Joe and Sonoda are churning out, you know, high single digit, double digit scores, it's... Um, it's just much like Logan Sargent, no no real spot for him in my team. I did like Logan, have him for one race earlier in the year, but I was quick to move on not long after that. So for me, I'd put him only because he's no longer on the grid, unfortunately, at the very back of the D list. But yeah. He has no prospects for the second half. <laughs> no, zero. So for that reason, he probably does deserve to go last. So that, that rounds out the tier list quite nicely. I have to say I'm pretty pretty pleased with where we landed. I think... There aren't really too many controversial picks, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see this list change a little bit towards the, the latter half of the year as as we see teams, I guess, close gaps to other teams, other teams improve with those upgrades. That's a great segue into the next thing we wanted to talk about. And that's one driver that will move up on this list and one driver that could move down. 
as the season moves on. For me, the one driver that's going to go up is Lando Norris. I really believe in those McLaren updates, and I think Lando will go from the A tier to the S tier must start every week. That's really interesting. I mean, I I agree to a certain extent. I mentioned before when we were looking at him on the list that he is a driver that on a standalone basis is going to produce just about every weekend, assuming no DNFs or anything of that nature. I just wonder if the approach here is to go with the McLaren constructor. I obviously had Hulkenberg and Albon and Lando and the McLaren constructor most recently in Spa. I'm not sure if for me that's the approach I want to take uh, and maybe use my budget elsewhere, but a lot of that will be contingent upon Fernando Alonso and the Aston Martins um, kind of prospects into the second half of the season. So I don't know if I'm quite as bullish on Lando Norris, but I do think as an asset, as a driver to own in fantasy, he is very consistent and you know what you're getting from him. I think for me, the driver I'm most optimistic, maybe a little too optimistic for for a driver I don't particularly like all that much is George Russell. I mentioned before that at that price point to Perez provides players with a little bit more optionality. Um, I'm not suggesting he is going to produce the same amount of points every week that Perez does, assuming no DNFs. But I think uh, to the points we mentioned before, Mercedes, I definitely expect to close the gap for the last 10 or so races. We've seen what they did last year, um, you know, bunch of podiums. George got his maiden win in Interlagos. A limitless chip comes into play, certainly around Qatar, Circuit of the Americas, Interlagos. So I think he deserves to be on our radar, uh, certainly as a driver um, that has the potential to, to score big when given the opportunity. So he, for me, is one to watch for the last 10 races of the season. Hey, sign me up for a Mercedes car doing well in the second half. I'm all for it. And if you look at George's summer break pictures, he's he's living his best life. Yeah, yeah, the bloke, the bloke loves to get the shirt off in the summer, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he loves it. <clears throat> so moving on to one down, I'm going to pick on Danny Rick a little bit because <clears throat> he's at the top of the C tier right now. He's in a slow car that may have some issues in the second half. I think he's inheriting some engine part woes from DeVries. And also this is a guy that hasn't been on the grid in some time. And when he was, he had some struggles in the McLaren last year. So I think Danny Rick could go up, but I think it's more likely that he could slide down a bit in the second half. I mean, how, how far down can you go? The, the poor guy's only priced at four and a half million. He's entering Nico Hulkenberg $3.8 million territory if his price goes any lower. So fair enough. I, I mean, I know we were both quite you know, optimistic on Danny Rick when he rejoined the fray uh, in Budapest. I still think he's got that driver of the day potential at some point if he ends up in the points, whether that actually will happen, given now that the top five teams is pretty much a lot for points most weekends. It will be hard, but I definitely think uh, he's got a little bit more left to give. Whether or not he's the best budget option is still out for debate, but uh, I, I think he's um, he's got something, I think, to prove to us this season. As far as my flop for the remainder of the season, fantasy-wise, I have got probably eyes on Fernando Alonso. Uh, and I know that comes as probably a little bit of a surprise to a lot of people. He is 77% the, 
the most popular uh, asset in the game and has put forward so many fantasy performances that would make it very surprising for someone to come out and say this. But the Aston Martin has fallen back in the field so much. There hasn't really been anything in the way of major upgrades that suggests they will be competing with the McLarens, with the Mercedes, with Red Bull and Ferrari. Uh, even though, you know, Fernando on his own is a great driver, I do worry the last three races that we may see more of these performances uh, for the remainder of the year. They're no longer featuring in the template for the most engaged players, most engaged strategists in the game. So I do think that by season's end, Fernando could be teetering on an A or maybe a top of the B tier list. Uh, but again, we just have to wait and see because if he does get some upgrades and can drive to his full potential that we know he's fully capable of, he could well stay in the S category. I think just bang for your buck wise, still a great value asset to own, but I do do have some skepticism around him um, in the race of the head. That makes sense to me. And if I'm buying Lando, that means I have to be selling somebody and Alonso fits the bill based on his price tag right now. The question will be, can Papa Stroll keep that car at pace with the McLarens? I'm not sure if he'll be able to. So I think it's and it's a, a small slide, even if Fernando goes from the S tier in an instant start every week to an A tier of situational start, maybe even in some flavors of the meta. That's a mm -hmm. fall, but not a huge fall. True, true, true. Well, that wraps up our tier list quite nicely, I have to say. That was a really interesting mid-season uh, soiree, um, something very different to the kind of content you and I put out uh, usually. So I really enjoyed that. I think we nailed it on the head, but I know I, I can't see who's watching at the moment, but if anyone has any opinions to the contrary, let us know in the comments or in the chat because I think we very much welcome any critiques to, to what we've been able to collate uh, this evening. Absolutely. And Rob and I have been bantering more than ever in our FanAm community. Join us at the Fantasy Formula. More people are joining us each and every week. And we've had some really good discussions, getting to know all of you, arguing some of our tier lists, our top five favorite things we like and don't like about this season, and lineup discussions for next year as well. So we have a lot to look forward to in the second half of this year. Rob released a really great video over the weekend with some of the things he's doing to change up his content. I'm releasing all new content starting next week as well. And on our show, we'll be launching pre-qualifying lineup lock specials. We'll be live taking all of your lineup questions, having some giveaways. Rob, we're in for a big second half. Yeah, can't wait. It's going to be an exciting 10 races. Uh, to go uh, probably a lot um, a lot to look forward to in terms of fan app as you say the community is is growing so much and I mean it, it's it's just coming along in leaps and bounds so hopefully for those of you watching we see you over there uh, and yeah looking forward to the next one we've got a, a bit in the works between now and Zambort so looking forward to that take care everybody we'll see you next week with our Zambort preview see you guys